Well, fall is here. A little cool weather. I'm excited about it. I don't know if you are. Uh, I can always tell when uh, I really feel like it is truly, truly fall when we begin to walk through the neighborhoods and see all the uh, Halloween decorations go up. Did you guys see the little creepy things maybe in your neighborhood a little bit? Um, well, before we jump into our sermon today, uh, I want to share with you a, a, a quick thought. I mean, as we're kind of jumping into this, um, there are a lot of scary, scary stories in the Bible. Uh, in fact, here's a few of these um, listed. Some of those are the, the there's a writing on the wall. I don't know if you remember this one in Daniel. There's a scary and there's a hand appeared and starts writing on the wall. That's where that phrase comes from, the writings on the wall. It comes from the Bible. Uh, the resurrection of Lazarus, well, that's always an exciting one. But, you know, got to be honest, that one might have been a bit of a scary story. You can flip to that next slide. The Nile turning to blood. Well, that had to be creepy. Plague of darkness. Now, that was one that I thought was like, whoa. I mean, just darkness. You couldn't even see your hand in front of your face and just everybody's paralyzed in the darkness. But today we're going to look at one thing, thing I think might be the scariest story in the Bible is the Valley of Dry Bones. Kind of creepy. Let's pray together and ask God to speak. Father, we do remember that you are the God who can do anything. That you are the God that gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Lord, the psalm this morning truly echoes some of our hearts. Why so downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and God. Lord, that is our hearts. Today they are heavy. Today they are burdened. Today they are afraid. But you, Lord, are with us. You, God, comfort us. You, Lord, go before your people and you watch out behind. God, would you encourage? Would you help us see? Would you challenge us from your word today? Let us know. Let us know your truth, your presence, your power. We ask for all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You remember that in our story, we've been looking at this life of Ezekiel, a prophet who was in a very difficult time. And at this point in his life, he is in exile. He is not the priest he thought he was going to be. His career had not gone the way he had planned. His hopes were kind of dashed. The temple has now even been probably destroyed at this point. And he is looking back and it looks like everything is gone. The people of God are dispersed. The presence of God has been revealed is with them, but they can't see that temple. They can't see that place of worship that they had long for, enjoyed for so long. And here we pick up the scripture where in exile, far away from his homeland, far away from the temple, Ezekiel is led out to a valley and given a vision from God. Let's look at Ezekiel 37 beginning the first verse and it says this. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. 
he led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, and the bones that were very dry. Okay. I don't know if you all have been any place that seems that creepy, but that seems about as creepy as it comes. Any of you been to Paris and done the catacombs underneath Paris? Napoleon wanted to expand Paris, so he dug up all the graveyards, took all the bones of the dead, and put them down underneath the city in the kind of a catacombs and under places. I remember going down there with a group of college students. We were on mission trip, and this was sort of our day off, and I don't know why we decided to do this, of all the things we could go look at, but we went to the catacombs, and you know, there were a few little bones lying around as we were walking through some just these underground kind of tunnels, and we thought, okay, that's a little creepy. And then there was a door, and above it it kind of said, you know, only the dead may enter, or some kind of phrase in French that we didn't know what it said. But, you know, some kind of phrase. And we enter this door, and oh my goodness, not just a few little bones scattered around, stacks and stacks of bones. I'm talking from my wife and Aaron all the way to the wall on this side and from the Mosleys all the way on over to that side. There were stacks and stacks and up to your up to your midway through your chest, there were just bones and you could just see them and there was just and it was all solid bones and every so often you would see skulls and the skulls were sort of arranged in smiley faces or other things it was like I don't know who did this but it was just honestly creepy. It was a truly these catacombs full and I mean you walked for miles and it was just bones and bones and bones. I think that's what Ezekiel saw, right? All scattered around the, these old, dead, dry bones. Of course, this is a metaphor too, right? It's a metaphor for us. I don't know if you're feeling a little dry in the bones. A little weary today. Experiencing maybe a little burnout. You've heard the term, right? burnout. There are stages of burnout. You can kind of examine yourself a little bit. There are some stages here, and it'll flip as we go to this next slide. You'll see the, the stages here of burnout. Uh, some of it's just that emotional exhaustion, right? You almost become a little cynical. You become a weary. You become, hey, are we done with uh, <clears throat> this semester yet? Anybody feeling like it's time for final exam? I mean, I'm done. I mean, midterms, that's good enough, right? Haven't they learned enough? Can we just turn in grades and be done? I mean, sometimes we start feeling a little emotionally exhausted. Are we there yet? Are we done yet? You really know if you're burned out when you start pulling away. Sneaking away from people. Distancing yourselves. Depersonally. Depersonalizing. And finally, we'll go through these existential crises, right? Has any of this mattered? Has my whole life been for nothing? Is all of church, is, is, this, is the kingdom of God coming at all? And why are we even trying? What's going on? We get through this existential crisis. Here, Ezekiel was probably at that stage of burnout. He's been prophesying to the people of God. And he's been working. And it seems like the people are not repentant. It seems like they're not responding. And it's not going away for over 70 years that this exile would last. It had to feel like dry bones. And now he's sitting in the valley and all the bones are surrounding him. Confessionally, I'm feeling a little dry. I'm feeling a little tired. <laughs> Walked in and of course, Bunny Mosley's here to brighten my day. Thank you. Dick Goldley bought me some eggs. <laughs> Thank you. 
Dwight came up and shook my hand and said, it's Pastor Appreciation Month. You're appreciated. I thought, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take a handshake. Thank you so much. You know, I appreciate the fact that this church is loving and caring. Bones still feel a little dry. Maybe even our church does. Well, God asked Ezekiel. He says in, ver- in verse 3, Son of man, can these bones live again? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. I actually think there's a point here. Can these bones live again? Now, this feels like one of those questions that your professor asked or your teacher asked, right? It feels like one of those questions that you know what the, que- the answer is. I'm like, um, <clears throat> have you cleaned up your room yet? Obviously, the answer is no. <laughs> or mom wouldn't be asking me if I cleaned up my room. Obvious. Have you done all your chores? Mm, no. Have you... Um, it feels like one of those questions. Can these bones live again? Well, God, no. Of course they can't live again. They're old. They're dry. I mean, you're God, so I guess you can do everything. Is this a test of my faith? What's going on here? But I actually think it has a point for us, church. Can these bones live again? Those of you all who are visiting here, welcome. Those of you who have been here, you know that we're looking at a time and a season. Can these bones live again in this church? Can the life be part of Valley Baptist Church again? Will we see a point where people are coming to know Christ, where God is bringing revival, where we are seeing the movement of God? Can these bones live again? And there's those of us who are pretty much the glass is half full type of people. We're always quick to say yes. Yes, Lord, take me. Yes, Lord, do that great thing again. Yes, Lord, we are quick to respond. Yes, of course you can do it. But I think we need to realistically be like Ezekiel that says, actually, Lord, you know. Can God bring an awakening at Goucher or at Towson? Yes, but Lord, you know, you know, it's God who can bring new life. It's God who can sprout again. God can do it, but it takes the Lord's movement. In the next few verses, God's going to bring out some things that I think we need to know if God is going to bring new life in this place. Let's take a look. Verse 4, it says, Then the Lord said to me, Prophesy to these dry bones, and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you, and make flesh come upon you and cover your skin. I will put breath in you, I and you will come to life, and then you will know that I am the Lord. Verse 7, so I prophesied and I commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was noise. And it was like a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked and tendons and flesh appeared upon them and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Several years back, Vicki and I went to one of these uh, uh, exhibits. I, we don't do a lot of museum type things, but we went to the, one of these exhibits. Did you see this one? It was like called Body Works or Bodies. Or did anybody go to this one? It was fa- it was fascinating. I actually, Vicky really wanted to go, and I thought, 
I'll be honest, I've been to that whole uh, <coughs> catacomb thing, and it sounds like another creepy experience to me. I don't know if I'm one to go to this, but she, I was actually quite enthralled. It was quite amazing to see how all the bones and the muscles, and they would like pull out all of the 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 nervous system and how long all of the different nerves and it was just, it was fascinating to see how complex and miraculous the human body is. I doubt that Ezekiel was sitting there thinking. Oh, wow, this is actually kind of neat. Oh, oh, and bones are connected. Oh, oh, that's how the tendons work. I don't think that this was a science experiment for him. I don't think that this was a day of biology class for him. I think it had to be in some ways horrifying. Bone upon bone and tendons, and they all came together. But did you hear what it said? Right there in verse 8, flip to the next screen. But there was no breath in them. The muscles were all there. The organs were all there. The bones were in the right places. They were covered with skin. You could recognize the faces. It was all there. But there was no life. There was no life. Valley Baptist Church, brothers and sisters, that can be us. It can look like church. Right? All the bones can be in the right places. The music can be sung the right way. The Sunday school classes can be happening. The preaching can be excellent. I mean, it can all, it can all be in the right places. That wasn't a joke. Okay, maybe that was. <laughs> but here's the scary thing. It might not be church. Oh, we can do that individually too, right? If you've been a Christian a while, you know what I'm talking about. We can look good. We can say all of the right things. Oh, I, you know, I'm praying for you, but maybe a while since you prayed. Well, you know, that was a good sermon today, Pastor. You know, I know the Lord's really, really, really speaking to me. But you haven't opened your Bible to spend time in His presence in a while. We can have the form of godliness, Scripture says but deny its power. That's for all of us. Are we walking in the presence of God? Jesus died on the cross. He rose again to give us new life. He's poured out His Holy Spirit into our lives as believers. We walk with the living God, and yet sometimes we act as if every problem is too big, every struggle is too hard. I'm the worst. I know this truth. I can be an empty vessel made to be filled with God's Spirit. There were bones connected to bones. There were tendons. There were organs. There was flesh. I'm sure they had hair. But the Spirit of God was not there. It looks like life. So in verse 9, the Lord says this. Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, come from the four winds and breathe into the slain that they might live. Verse 10, so I prophesied and commanded and breath entered them. And they came to life. And it stood up on their feet, 
a vast army. God brought to life this valley of dry bones. Now, I don't know what happened after that. I wasn't like, okay, hey, army's here. Uh, let's go and invade a country. I mean, what does he do? With I, don't, I don't know what happened next. We're not told. But to see something like this points us as believers to the fact that there's a day. There's a day when Jesus, the risen one, the one who resurrected, never to die again, the one who has new body, not this kind of flesh, but resurrected flesh will come, and we who are believers in Him will join Him in the air. We will be with Him forever. If you do not know Jesus today, you need to have Jesus. Because faith in Him is the only thing that gives us access to the forgiveness and the new life and the eternal life that He promises. But this scripture also reminds me and makes me think of this. What would it look like when there's a vast army? Not an army army, but I'm talking about the people of God doing the work of God. The people of God making Jesus known to their neighbor. The people of God making uh, the, the, the power of God known to those who feel helpless. The, the presence of God comforting the lonely and the sick and being near those that are just struggling today. A vast army of God's people here in this place blessing this community, reaching out to these neighborhoods, these campuses, all those around. Well, it says the Lord said to me in verse 11, Son of man, here's what the people are saying. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. Yeah, that sounds right. You, you've heard it. I've heard it. We've all said it. Can it happen here? Or are our bones just dried up? Is our hope gone? Are we cut off? Verse 12. Therefore prophesy, say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, My people, I'm going to open up your graves. I'm going to bring you up from them. I'm going to bring you back to the land of Israel. Verse 13. Then you, you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up for them. Because I will put my spirit in you and you will live. This had to sound incredible. The nation's been destroyed, Lord. We've been scattered. The people are no longer a people. And you are promising that you can bring us back to life? Maybe you've been a Christian for a while and you've had those days when you've just felt God's presence and you've been on a mission trip or you've seen God moving in miraculous ways at a vacation Bible school or just as you've been serving Him and you're just feeling dry and you're feeling worn out. And yet He says, no, I will put My Spirit in you and you will live. The Apostle Paul makes a similar cry in the book of Ephesians when he says, Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Are you experiencing God's power and presence in your life? If not, it's not some big magic trick. It begins with that prayer. Wake me up. Wake me up, Lord. I'm choosing you. I'm choosing Jesus today. God 
can bring us back to life. There's another thing I want to see in this passage, though. It's that God's got to bring us together. God's got to bring us together. Have some of you started your Christmas decorations? I think it's way too early. I've got to be honest. I mean, it doesn't need to stay in the box for at least another month. But some of you that like the Christmas crafts, you know, you weave things together. You make these wreaths of very different pieces of foliage. And somehow you bring it together into something beautiful. Just like those of you who love the quilting and the crafting, you take these different fabrics that really don't match. And somehow you make it into something that is lovely and beautiful. God does that very thing. He brings us to life. In chapter 37 of Ezekiel, it says this, The word of the Lord came to me and said, Son of man, now take a stick of wood and write on it belonging to Judah and the Israelites associated with them. And then take another stick of wood and write on it belonging to Joseph, that is Ephraim, and the Israelites associated with them. Uh, Okay, God, write, write on some sticks, okay? It doesn't seem like it makes sense to us. But you need to remember That at this point, the kingdom of God has been separated into two kingdoms. The northern tribes of Israel and the southern tribe of Judah were at war with one another. They were not getting along. They had been divided for about 500 years at this point. Now 450. They had been divided and hostile towards one another. They were not getting along. And to make matters worse, the northern tribe... A couple hundred years ago, they were destroyed and, dis- and, dis- and scattered. And nobody knows where they are. And you're going to bring them back together? The first one's gone. The second one, well, actually it just got destroyed too. It's gone. And somehow you're going to bring back from the dead these two very, very different groups. He says in verse 22, I will make them into one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. There, there will be one king over all of them. And they will never again be two nations or be a divided kingdom. The promise is not just for Israel. Though he did bring the kingdom back. The promise is for God's people that he would make us one kingdom with one king, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has called us to be together. Sometimes I wonder, when I look at the obstacles facing this church, if we can be one people. This has been an extremely divided time in this nation, and unfortunately, it's been a divided time in his churches. Not this, just just this church, but every church. So what churches are we going to be? Are we going to be this kind of church or this kind of church? Are we going to be a church that uh, leans more right? Are we going to be a church that politically leans more left? Are we going to be a church that believes... Who are we going to be? We've only got one hope. We've only got one way as a resurrected church. As a church of the living God, we have to be a church that is submitted to one king. That might not mean we have one opinion on everything. But it means we got one Lord. It means we have one way of being selfless and sacrificial, just as our king is selfless and sacrificial. It means that we have to serve one another, just as our king got down on his knees and washed his disciples' feet to give us a pattern of how we serve one another. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul once again is talking about a divided church of Jews and of Gentiles. They didn't get along. They didn't have the same customs. They didn't approach life in many of the same ways. They didn't have the same habits. And at times, they were even offensive in what they did to one another. But Paul says this, 
He Himself, Jesus, is our peace. He has made the two groups, Jews and Gentiles, one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. His purpose was to create in Himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. If this church is going to be alive again, and I'm talking to every single one of us, we have to not only die to ourselves, but we have to even die to our opinions. And a lot of us think we're right. Now, being the pastor, I get to be the one that's right. The rest of you guys, we got to do it. We got to put to death our own desires and let Jesus be Lord. We have to. We have to. We have to. Because when Jesus comes to bring new life, He brings us back together. Paul talks in Philippians about the unity that belongs to the people of God. That unity only occurs. It only occurs when He says we contend as one person for the gospel of Jesus Christ. When Jesus is King and our purpose is His message, then we are set together. I've watched college ministries. I love them and I've enjoyed them so much. But they can get clicky and split up on different things and fuss at one another. They come together when they have a single purpose. That purpose of knowing God and making Jesus known. We are no different. God, bring new life. Bring unity. And finally, God needs to bring His kingdom. You see, this doesn't happen unless we say, Lord, have your will in our lives. Bring your kingdom to life here. And when he brings his kingdom, he brings purity and holiness. We're not going to spend a lot of time here, but look at this verse uh, in verse 23. They will no longer defile themselves with their idols or their images or their offenses, for I'm going to save them from their sinful backsliding, and I will cleanse them. They will be my people, and I will be their God. Number two, when God comes, when He brings His kingdom, He brings obedience. He brings obedience. Look what it says in verse 24. My servant David will be king over them, and they will all have one shepherd, and they will follow my laws and be careful to obey my decrees. Now you know, if you know any Bible history, once again, David's been dead for about 500 years now. It's not David. It's the king like David. That the king who would fulfill all the messianic promises, the king who would reign forever, our King Jesus. We've got to actually follow him if we're going to be his. There's a new sign out. I don't know if you've seen it. If you follow down and go through the tunnels heading on 95 South, there's a new sign outside of Baltimore that says, Real followers of Jesus, follow Jesus. I don't know if it says it exactly that way, but you get the point. You've got to obey if you're going to be his disciples. Number three, it brings forgiveness. When Jesus' kingdom comes, it brings forgiveness. First, in our relationship with God. Listen to what he says. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It's going to be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and increase their numbers, and I will put my sanctuary among them forever. If there's one part of this passage that I want to say, Lord, let this be the new life here, this is the part. Here's how it goes. There was an old covenant, an old agreement. How did it go? If you keep my commands, I'll be your God and you'll be my people. If you do everything, I'm going to bless you and take care of you and you'll be fine. That's how the old covenant worked. 
The problem is that covenant didn't work. Why? Because of us. We didn't keep all of God's laws. We didn't keep His rules. We didn't honor God with the entirety of our lives. We failed at this. And so God made a new covenant. A covenant of peace. Where Jesus is now the one who is our substitute. He's the one who led the sinless life. And the one who died for our sins. So God made a new covenant for us that now we have peace with God. We've been reconciled to God. And we can be reconciled to each other. I want this place. If there is any desire, it would be a place where people who don't know God yet would come to know the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus Christ. They would experience that forgiveness and new life. That's you today? It's time to stop waiting. I'm just going to say it the way it is. Come to Jesus today and find that covenant of peace. Forever your sins are taken away. Forever your life will be in Him. And let Him put His sanctuary His presence, not in this building, in this place, in your life, that God would live with you. There's forgiveness when the power and kingdom of God comes. And finally, there's revival. Revival. Revival that doesn't just mean we're alive, but revival that impacts the world. Look at how he says it. Verse 27. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God. They will be my people. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord. I make Israel holy when my sanctuary is among them forever. Today, Aaron's going to lead us in a song. It's a prayer. It's a prayer that God would do it again here. And I'm going to invite you to join me in doing something. During this time, would you pray? Lord, do it again here. Bring us into a place of purity, in a place of obedience, a place where we're experiencing your forgiveness and making your forgiveness known to the nations. God, revive this place. We need time to just pray and ask God to do it again. While Aaron's singing, I'm going to be at the front. If you need to pray with somebody, or you need to join this church, or you need to accept Jesus as your Savior right now, you come. You come join me here. We'll talk about it. Let's pray. We'll pray. If you want to come to the altar and kind of just kneel or sit or stand, or just be somewhere close, and just to say, God, do it again, you come. If just right where you're seated, you want to just pray and just say, Lord, do it again, you pray. You pray for your families. You pray for your neighbors. You pray for God to move in this place. Not necessarily the building, but this place as a people. Let's pray. Let's respond as God has called us.